Ho, 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 ho. Merry Christmas. Uh, are we ready to get going? Yeah, how do we normally yeah. start these? Do, do we want to do the full No Hugging No Learning World Headquarters thing again? Oh, like closing it down for Christmas? I guess we should. <laughs> we didn't talk about it before. We've opened well, a third location in Texas. That's true, yeah. Hey, we're well, expanding. Time to close down the No Hugging No Learning Electronics Department for the season. Uh, I guess no, there won't be any shoppers again this year. <laughs> yeah, I forgot we always had some sort of skit ready, but do we want to do uh, our very bad improv with it? <laughs> yeah, I know. yeah, maybe, maybe, and <laughs> I'm from the non-committal improv school. <laughs> maybe, and let's see where you're going with this. <laughs> I'm not signing off on it completely. Um, now, why don't we to- just get? Why, should we just get going? Well, yeah, we I can't. Can, I do have. I have a little bit of. A oh, setup. great! Okay, great. Um, yeah. All right, perfect. Can, can I get yeah. something from the audience? A premise. <laughs> <laughs> so, maybe, uh, maybe we'll use it. This is this is going to be great Patreon content. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know um, the best way to formulate this. I could like knock if we want to turn into a skit, or I could just deliver the news to you directly. Oh, um, yeah. Most of your audience will know me as the down voter. Uh, but I have arrived at today's Christmas special to deliver my resignation as the down voter today <laughs> as the, the first season of your wonderful show. Finally, finally comes finally. to a close. <laughs> finally. That's everybody it's said been... about Seinfeld too. Finally, this is going <laughs> off the air. <laughs> it's come to my, it's, it's come to my attention that I, I just, uh, you know, need to adopt a new, a new role. Part of this decision was based on something that I'd like to present to you, which I call Blue Christmas. And this is, I created an army of the new men Twitter account that I used like twice. And I can't figure out how to get rid of it from my phone. But what I've discovered is that if you don't use a Twitter account and you just have it, they will deliver recommended tweets. And if you don't use them or interact with anything, they will just send you like porn. So my army of the new men Twitter Twitter account is filled with tweets that say, I want to rip your clothes off. This one says, uh, very cold, feeling that Christmas breeze, LOL peach emoji. And it's somebody who's just totally naked outside. Um, so wait, these, this are, one says, these are their suggested tweets to you, not stuff they're these are my su- These are my suggested tweets oh, okay. for the army of the new man account, which I used twice. And neither of my tweets were sexual. Um, one of the one, this one just says Christmas is coming. Doesn't take much imagination there. Uh, so this is just filled with garbage. And I, and it, it was like a smack in the face that was like, look, you abandoned your bit. And now porn just reigns uh, across your Twitter account. So this will be my last appearance as the down voter but i i certainly hope our christmas tradition carries on and, and i'll figure some other kind of fun gimmick that i can abandon like two weeks into the show awesome well yeah we're, we're i like this christmas tradition too and we're unlocking an entirely new i was just talking to ted about this i don't know whether it was on the podcast or not but just we're unlocking an entirely new cadre of actors and collaborators so uh yeah who knows what that will who knows what horrible movies will open up 
uh, once that happens. <laughs> yes, I. Uh, it is early in the show for a plug, but we will be having you on <laughs> to discuss a film that I found that was in the Seinfeld universe, technically, titled Santa with Muscles. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that is, <laughs> the whole premise of the movie is Hulk Hogan is Santa. Uh, and I've never heard of it. I watched the trailer and it looks it, just like it sounds. I, it's, so I'm very um, excited. From my wrestling fandom, I have not seen it. I have heard of people who have seen it, and it is certified dog shit. Oh, my gosh. That's what we like to hear, baby. (laughs) I'm ready to take the ride. Yeah, but so for this one, we're finally, you know, I don't even know when we, when did we, we we didn't do a Christmas special until well into our run, right? No, it was our first year. It was our first year? Wow. So how many? 2018. So we've done like, oh, so we've done like. Four or five of these, I guess. This would be uh, eighteen, nineteen. This would be our fourth one. Our fourth we one. We did. Okay. We did Murray. Murray. We did Jingle uh, All the Way. Jingle All the Way. We did That's a Christmas a, Story two. A Christmas Story two. Yes, yeah. And so yep. now we're finally doing. It makes so much sense. Everybody say it at the same time. Troll. Uh, no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas Vacation. The one that is made it. The is most this it? Sense. Are we get, are we getting into it? Yeah, I think so. Is everyone? Okay. I'm ready. Let's do it. Yeah. Wait, I'll, 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 wait, I'll, wait, 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 wait. Wait, Christmas Vacation 2, right? <laughs> Christmas Vacation. Uh, Eddie's, oh, Cousin no. Eddie's, whatever it is. Cousin Eddie's. Cousin Eddie's Big Island Adventure. Is that what it's called, oh, really? Yes. Oh, um, my gosh. I didn't know it was that long. I thought it was like just the return of Cousin Eddie or something. I haven't said Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning, but obviously that's, you know, what it is. Ted, do you want to continue with your part? Uh, Sure. Yeah, it's a show about one thing, watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation for the, I, I don't know, I've, I've seen it before, yeah. so it's it's not, not for the first time. time. Or something. This is probably only like my third or fourth time seeing it. I definitely didn't wow. see it until... Not not recently, but I was older, you know? Yeah. I, I think I was out of my teen years whenever I watched it for the first time. It was probably my third time watching it. Do you mean all the way through or do you mean like, because I watch it probably. Completely. I probably yeah. watch it like three times a year just oh my catching <laughs> just catching 15 minutes here and there when it's on TV yeah. this time of year. Yeah. First time I caught just some of it on cable was only a couple of years ago. And then wow. I've only sat down and watched the full thing maybe once or twice before yeah wow uh, yeah this is probably the first time i've sat down to watch the entire thing purposefully all the way through not on tv with commercials and everything like that since i saw it for the very first time oh jeez. but that's crazy but i've probably seen it like a hundred times if you add up all the times i've caught 15 or 20 minutes on freeform or tnt or whatever when do you think you saw it for the first time i remember exactly I was in, well, not exactly, but I remember because I remember it, it was fourth or fifth grade. And I know that because we were living in Germany and I saw it on VHS. That was the very first time I saw it when I was in fourth or fifth grade. So I think that wow. would have been, I don't know, if I graduated in 99, I like doing age and grade math always throws me for a loop. But I'm guessing it was probably new on VHS. It was probably like 1990 or 92 or something like that. You know, it was yeah. probably pretty, yeah. still a pretty new release. What about you guys? Yeah, I remember my dad loves this movie and I've like not sat down to watch this in its entirety probably in like a decade. I've I've seen so many pieces of it. I, it's like the Christmas story where it's yeah. just kind of inevitably on and I will catch pieces of it and portions of it. And there's parts that I remember and then while sitting down to watch it last night, there's parts that I did not remember. So many gags get cut out because they have bad language or whatever. So it was nice to see those again after yep. a million years. 
So, Ted, what about you? You mentioned the first time you saw it on cable or something randomly just a few years ago. That was the first time. Yeah. So you don't associate this with your dad? Not really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know who I would associate it with if I if I were to associate it with somebody. I'm going to uh, – there were a couple of times that I'm going to point out, and Aaron, if you remember, definitely, that cracked my dad up. Because watching this when I was a kid yep. and, gr- like, growing up with this movie – and like pulling different things from it. You know, now I identify with Chevy Chase so much yep. more than I did, of course, when I was in fourth or fifth grade. Like now I have a family and now I've, you know, you, you're trying to give them Christmas and stuff like that. It's just you, it makes uh, it such a different movie. You got to be careful in what context you're saying. I identify with Chevy Chase. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you been leaving a lot of uh, unsavory voicemails on Dan Harmon's phone <laughs> oh lately? <my> Tim, <laughs> I forgot about those. Oh, um, my gosh. Okay, believe it or not, we're actually talking about a movie that was released when it was supposed to be, because we've talked about a lot, of, a lot of Halloween movies that were released, like, in November or right. in May. But National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation was released December 1st, 1989. It was the third installment of the National Lampoon Vacation film series. It was written by John Hughes, who based it on Christmas 59, a short story that he had published in National Lampoon magazine, in December of 1980. He wrote the first Vacation movie based on his short story, Vacation 98, and he wrote European Vacation. So he wrote those two, and then he wrote this one. So I guess those are the first three. So Hughes said he did this movie because the studio came and they begged him to do another Vacation movie, and he only agreed because he already had this awesome story to base it on, but he was also kind of bummed because the movies had become little more than Chevy Chase vehicles, which I can understand, I guess, as a director being stymied by. Like, it doesn't give you much creative freedom but like as a viewer that's what i want i want a chevy chase vehicle what the hell am i watching a vacation movie for yeah you know for sure i mean Um, you're you're you could be watching it for to see who's playing rusty this time (laughs) who's playing rusty rusty and audrey which by the way i love that they played with in vegas vacation when he goes ross audrey i feel like i don't even recognize you anymore <laughs> That's gr- yeah. I will. I gotta say, I have not. I have also not seen Vegas Vacation in a decade, but I remember. I remember very much enjoying it, and I also remember yeah. it was like the phase where I was going to Wikipedia and I was reading about Rotten Tomato scores and movies and all stuff, and just how much like people hated Vegas Vacation. <laughs> um, but for my money, I have no memory whatsoever of European Vacation. It's it's not but. bad. I, it's it's pretty weak. I mean, it, like most sequels, they just kind of tried to rehash a lot of what was funny in the first one. And this is where, you yeah. know, look, I think Ted and I were just talking about this. This is, this is the third one. They were like, all right, let's get it back on track yeah. and, and remember what was great about these rather than just trying to, you know, revisit old territory. So uh, according to this article about making Home Alone, Chris Columbus, that was in Chicago Magazine, Chris Columbus, the, the great director, said he was the original director of Christmas Vacation. And he f- did film some of the second unit establishing shots which he claims are still in the finished film, but he left after two meetings with Chevy Chase and told John Hughes, (laughs) who was writer and producer, there's no way I can do this movie. And Chris Columbus needed to work. He was like, I need to work, but I can't do it with this guy. And so John Hughes was like, all right, I like you. Let me send you this other movie. He sent him Home Alone, which of course became a gigantic hit and Chris Columbus Damn. didn't need to look for work ever again in his life. But yeah, so so John Hughes was like, all right, maybe I'll direct the movie. But he was still busy with post-production on Uncle Buck, which he did direct, so he couldn't do it. Chevy Chase suggested this guy George Roy Hill because Chevy worked with him the previous year on Funny Farm and he said Hill was the best director he'd ever worked with. But after Funny Farm bombed, audiences and critics hated, hated it. George Roy Hill retired from directing and turned down the offer to direct Christmas Vacation. 
So <laughs> that's why they picked apparently some rando named Jeremiah Chechik, whose claim to fame is Benny and June and the Avengers, not Marvel's The Avengers, <laughs> but the one with Uma Thurman and Ralph Finnis. Uh, as I was calling him on No Hugging, No Learning a couple weeks ago. And he was nominated for Worst Director at the 1998 Golden Raspberry (laughs) Awards for The Avengers, but he lost to Gus Van Zandt's shot-by-shot remake of Psycho. Christmas Vacation debuted at number two at the box office, grossing $11.7 million opening weekend, right behind Back to the Future Part 2, interestingly enough. The movie did eventually hit that number one spot, though, in its third week of release. You know, December 1, that's a good time to come out because you want, you know, it's going to be a slow build, though, as people go. You know, family comes into town, you're tired of each other, everyone always goes to see a movie like around Christmas when you have people visiting and stuff like that. So it did hit number one in its third week of release and remained number one the following weekend too. So with a budget of $25 million, it grossed in the U.S. alone $71.3 million. So it In was, its initial run? Uh, yeah. Damn. Yeah, wow. so it was the highest grossing film in the Vacation series until the release of Vacation in 2015, which I, I guess beat it. I don't know by how much, but Vacation <laughs> is now the highest grossing Vacation movie. That's disappointing. <laughs> yeah. But probably the oh. least seen Vacation movie. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the other th- uh, weird thing. Only two Christmas-themed movies came out in 1989. This movie... And Prancer. And the weird <laughs> thing is, Johnny Galecki was in both of them. Oh, my God. I know, right? Well, I am i don't know about you guys, but I'm Team Prancer. So <laughs> this is a Prancer house. <laughs> I'm sure we can find offended. somebody from Seinfeld who was in Prancer. You know what's crazy about Prancer? A Prancer movie poster is in an episode of Seinfeld when they're, when they're in that famous Lowe's movie line that they're always at. Or the, the Lowe's movie line set. There's a Prancer uh, poster. There's There's got to be an episode that Cloris Leachman was in, right? Uh... I don't think so. In Seinfeld? Yeah. I don't I don't remember her. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh no. Oh my god. Oh no. Are we going to switch to Prancer right in the middle of our podcast? Tim, <laughs> what was the name of the actor who played Elaine's father? Oh, Lawrence Tierney. Is he Santa? Oh, shit. Oh. No, okay. That, I was looking up uh, Michael Constantine. I thought that was... Uh, Lawrence Tierney uh, would like, be a good Santa, though, or would have been. I think he's passed crazy. since, but... Yeah, yeah, he'd be a crazy Santa, but he'd be a very, sto- a very stoic... Scary Santa. <laughs> but it would work. I mean, he's, he's got the, basically the body. That's all you need. He's got the body. <laughs> all right. So if you are, Tim, you covered the release date of Christmas Vacation being December 1st. If you are calling up Movie Phone uh, yes. on December 1st, 1989, and you're going to get a kick of this, the source of this, moviephone.com. <laughs> yes. You are going to hear, it's Christmas time, and the Griswolds are preparing for a family seasonal celebration. But things never run smoothly for Clark his wife Ellen, and their two kids. Clark's continual bad luck is worsened by his obnoxious family guests, but he manages to keep going, knowing that his Christmas bonus is due soon. What? I would not connect the (laughs) storylines like that. I would say he's also anxious about his... I'm going to just skip to the end now and say, I know we don't do this for our movie reviews, but he's also anxious about his Christmas bonus as he tries to provide the perfect family Christmas for his loved ones. Like... It's (laughs) It's <laughs> that's so weird that sentence ended like that. Yeah. Okay, if you're looking on IMDb, out of 172,000 IMDb ratings, Christmas Vacation has a 7.6 out of 10. Huh. Uh, might be the highest movie that we've reviewed. That's true. I think you're right. Wow. This is... Well, I'm trying to think. This is the first good movie we covered, right? I mean, I guess... Mur- Mur- how dare you Mur- slander How Murray Saves Christmas? How Murray dare you? Christmas was, I think we liked it more than God. other people did. You know, but. guys, with our normal schlock that we review for Christmas, I'm upset that uh, no one knows about Santa Inc. yet. 
Santa. Uh, I, oh wait. So our, our mutual friend Teddy told me about this, and I watched the trailer, <laughs> and apparently people hate it. Is yes. this is what I've heard? Is that it is like? But I, I've also read there controversy drama. I've read that Seth Rogen claimed, and I don't know if there's a actual like reason for this it could be true it said that tens of thousands of white supremacists were like review bombing the series because they because it's like um it's about like jewish yeah sarah silverman's jewish there's like a lot of jewish jokes and references in it so i have no idea what the people actually think i will the trailer i was like oh i think maybe i don't know how much of this humor i'm into so much anymore where it's just like weed weed uh, uh sex, weed weed, weed, weed fart jokes <laughs> right but it did look funny and i like the cast and i, I will i will watch it. it it looks very much like a christmas sausage party <laughs> yes which uh, a film that i loved uh when i saw it in theaters and like immediately soured on <laughs> have, have only had negative thoughts about since i saw it in theaters I, I do want to go back and watch it. I, I will say, I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters. Okay, if you're looking up Christmas Vacation on Rotten Tomatoes, if you're looking at the Tomometer out of 46 reviews, this has a 67% certified fresh. I'm going to straight up say IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes are super low to me. I'm just going to okay, spoil it okay. right now. Well, here, here let, me, uh, let me tell you the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes out of over 100,000 ratings. This has an 86% standing up popcorn bucket. Okay. 80, what was it? 86? 86. Okay. Is that a little more accurate? Yeah. We're, we're getting closer. Okay. <laughs> okay. And if you're looking up some of the verified critics reviews of this, we are looking at Paul McGuire Grimes from KSTP TV in St. Paul, Minnesota says, I will laugh out loud every time I watch this. Oh, Jesus, Paul, you, he wrote an essay for a review. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay, he will laugh out loud every time he writes this. And there's there's no score, Paul. You just gave it a tomato. Okay. <laughs> one tomato. That's one, good, right? One tomato. But let, let's skip down to Joe Barry from Radio Times, who gave it a splatty tomato with writing, it's silly in the extreme, and the only relief comes from Randy Quaid's performance uh, as an obnoxious wait relative. Wait a second. That sounds... Ri- What's this guy's ri- name? Is it an anagram of... The down no, no, it's a, it's a it's a woman named Joe Barry uh-huh. from, from Listen, Radio I not, Times. I do not think this movie is a splatty tomato. Uh, I original, to be very upfront about that. Original score two out of five. Oh, jeez. Um, I can't see. imagine being a movie critic. Like, okay, because you have to presumably you have to be open to like several genres and types of movies to be able to review them in the, in their entirety and to be a movie critic that is just like i hate silliness <laughs> like it's like the most real yeah. life scrooge thing you could do when watching a christmas movie <laughs> yeah you also have to be somewhat prescient and and know what's going to be such a you know a cult favorite you know it's like they're, they're, it's yeah. just impossible there are a lot of bad movies that get looked at through a lens i don't think christmas vacation is one of them but you know the reviews that don't age well like you know pitchfork just went through and did a bunch of like rewrites on their old reviews yep. like well we gave this a two but we know we know you like it so it's an eight or whatever you know like we screwed <laughs> no. up you know that kind of thing here let me let me get one more positive review because i think paul mcguire grimes is uh, not the consensus but william thomas from empire magazine who has the top critic identifier 
on Rotten Tomatoes, gave it a certified fresh tomato, writing, if it doesn't make you at least giggle, then you clearly don't understand the true meaning of the festive season. Yes. Original score, four out of five. I, I think that's... There we go. It, that's a very, very, very good take, yeah. I think. Here's the part that I really like doing. Tim, yeah. Aaron, if you like National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, according to Rotten Tomatoes, you might also like What About Bob? I'd agree with that. I do like What About Bob. That's a fantastic I don't, movie. I don't, I don't know that I would make necessarily some sort of connection between the two, but it, it's been a <laughs> while, and I do like What About Bob. So the I've other never reasons. even heard of it, actually. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, it's so unbelievably great. Yeah, it's like one of my – It's one of my, my wife likes it better than I do. It's hmm. one of her favorite movies. Um, I'm going to have to check it out. Yeah, it's Bill Murray. The, the other comedian who I associate with my dad's sense of humor besides Chevy Chase is Bill Murray, who he went to high school with, by the 100% way. 100% with you, and I think it's – I, again, I think it's like that, like Caddyshack. Yeah. Uh, this like all, not. Um, I, I guess a good comparison would be kind of just like how there was like the Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill kind of group of Paul Rudd people that made comedies in the 2000s through the 2010s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like there was this band of lampoon associated people that constantly made comedy. Steve Martin also, I would say. Uh, yeah, I mean, if any, guy. maybe, I mean, because my dad was from Chicago, it might be a Second City thing too. Yeah. I know a lot of, you know, yeah. those Second City people, but basically like season one SNL cast members, you know, I mean, like that's, mm-hmm. that's where, but yeah, Bill Murray is the other one. But that's a great movie. Check it out. Well, if we're if we're drawing comparisons to movies that remind us of our dads, uh, these next four, ooh, gonna gonna have some some memories for you. If you like Christmas Vacation, you might also like Uncle Buck. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Sure. If you like Christmas Vacation, you might also like The Naked Gun. Oh, these are like yes. every movie I saw in fourth grade. Oh my god. <laughs> now it's now it's really heating up. I watch Naked Gun like once a year. <sighs> Oh, I love the naked gun. I, here's here's my unabashed favorite. I think out of these, probably the worst one. Looking back on it, if you like Christmas Vacation, you might also like Short Circuit. Oh my god, these are all I've never seen Short Circuit of my favorite what? movies growing oh, up. Oh, dude, I've never seen Short Circuit. I do. <laughs> I know only about. Uh, I like it because of the robot, and I don't like it because of the egregious brown face. Yeah. Uh, well, you kind of have to take the good, you take the bad, and there you have short circuit. Fisher Stevens of the burning fame. Um, yes, yes. But, uh, but I will. I, I yeah. should watch that. I will add it to my list. It's it's not as egregious as saying like I've never seen The Godfather or I've never seen Christmas Vacation even, but it's it's a great right. movie. And uh, lastly, if you like Christmas Vacation, you might also like Three Amigos. Yep. Another one of my dad's is I'm trying to think of now like movies that I would associate that would be similar to this Blues Brothers. That was like a, a regular in the house. He goes, <laughs> like I said, pretty much anything I think with Steve Martin, Chevy Chase or Bill Murray. Yeah. I seem to remember in my my uh, Wikipedia obsession <laughs> that started in high school <laughs> reading that I was I'm seriously I was an insane person. I don't think I've ever <laughs> talked about this. I like I started to collect movies and like I would get bored and organize them differently. So like. Like, I initially had them alphabetical and then by genre, and then that wasn't enough to feed my obsession. So. You were you were a lot like me, just on crack. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. Well, and it, of course, I there was a lot of actual crack involved, which would <laughs> make sense. But I was like, at one point, I was organizing them by Rotten Tomatoes uh, ah. and then my favorite, my I was my favorite is that I I separated them into ratings. And then I would go on the back and I would count how many things they were rated for. 
and I would try to uh, organize them by intensity. Oh. So I was an, a certified insane person for a while. I don't know. I don't know why I did this. Intensity. It just. Yeah, it I would love to see what was on like the twee side of your of your movie collection. Yeah. Well, I was also like, I, yeah, I was also like twelve, so there wasn't a lot of like. I think Alien versus Predator was like pretty Number high one. up on the intensity list. Um, Jesus uh, Christ. Okay, I think that's all I've got. Okay. Well, yeah, let's let's just get right into it. And as always, you know, we'll we don't necessarily go by scene by scene. So if I skip something, you know, we we can jump in, jump around, however you want to do it. We'll we we can't talk about this without talking about the opening credits because I love the song Christmas Vacation. Yes, the music in this is like one of my notes is that the music in this is like all bangers. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's no Transylvania six five thousand, but no. it's it's okay, I guess. <laughs> so this is the only installment of the. I have a little dive on on the soundtrack here. It's the only installment of the film series that does not have Lindsey Buckingham's Holiday Road in it, which is also a, a banger of a song. Okay, uh, yeah. this song was written for the movie by the husband and wife songwriting team of Barry Mann and Christi, uh, Cynthia Weil. And it's by Mavis Staples of the Staples Singers fame. And who also went on to do a great album with Jeff Tweedy much later in her career. No official soundtrack album was released for this song. In 99, a bootleg copy containing music featured in the film with select cuts of dialogue was labeled the 10th anniversary limited edition. And it started to appear on eBay and stuff like that with the claim that Warner Brothers pressed 20,000 CDs to sell at Six Flags Magic Mountain. But then people started digging into it, and they were like, I think this is a bootleg. For one thing, here's the story that accompanied. I found the sale page. I think it was like listed at 50 bucks or something crazy like that. But here's the story, and see if you can find the inconsistency. So it says, only 7,000 of the original run of 20,000 were sold. The leftover stock was warehoused until the production company was later sold a few years ago, at which time the remaining stock was sold in bulk. These soundtracks are part of that bulk sale. Please note that these CDs were on-demand production printed at a gift shop kiosk and thus never shrink-wrapped or silver-pressed. The insert also has perforated edges. Did you pick up on what they said there? So they were like, oh yeah, they, they made 20000 but they only sold 7000 and these were part of that bulk sale, but they were printed on demand at a gift shop kiosk. So which is it? Did they make 20000 or did you buy them... <laughs> Or did they print them as they sold them? They just made up that story because of the cheap production. They were like, yeah, we printed this out and, you know, you rip at the... It's not going to look like a real CD. It's going to look like a bootleg CD, but it's not a bootleg, we promise. But here's another inconsistency. There's a, t a cut called Christmas Vacation Medley, but that's really a track called Christmas at Carnegie Hall from Home Alone 2, Lost in New York by John Williams. And the CD doesn't actually have any of the Christmas Vacation score. <laughs> but interestingly enough, uh, yeah, I know. So it's just some random, and someone's made a lot of money off of it if they're always selling it for fifty bucks, claiming you could they're one you of seven thousand. You could make an eight-part serial podcast investigation into <laughs> all of the information behind this this CD release. Yes, it's true. So one more note about the score, though. Uh, according to the director, Angelo Badalamenti was hired because he wanted someone who had never done a comedy and who no one could imagine doing a film like this. Badalamenti is known mostly for scoring the films and television series of David Lynch. He did Blue Velvet, he did all of Twin Peaks, he did The Straight Story and Mulholland Drive, and he even received the 1990 Grammy Award for the Twin Peaks theme. Not, o not only that, but he also did Nightmare on, 3, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, and I'm this. Imagining, uh, David, you know what? I will say, like, 
the turkey, not to jump way too far ahead, but the turkey <laughs> opening up into some kind of, um, you know, ex- explosive creature is very Lynchian. Yeah. And I could definitely see David Lynch on set being like, okay, Chevy, you're going to cut the turkey and it's going to start smoking. Okay, buddy? I'm going to make a what's behind the dumpster Mulholland Drive meme with the turkey now. And that's going <laughs> to be, that's gonna be, be very good. Eraser head when he's like looking at the baby, but you could like put the turkey there. Yeah, that'd be very good. So yeah, I, I'm so and I'm so glad Christmas Vacation is gets played on satellite radio and Christmas. I'm glad it entered our Christmas music library as a whole. But this cartoon, so this opening cartoon is it was my favorite part when I was a kid watching this movie. Pretty much, especially the first time I got my biggest laugh as a kid. I still remember this when Santa has to make a quick escape from the house and he jumps on the couch and instead of going through the open sunlight, he crashes through the roof and then he catches a candy cane on those Christmas lights and slides down them and they go. Bing, 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 very that fun. made me laugh so hard as a kid. It was literally my favorite part of the movie. I could turn it off after that. <laughs> <laughs> so in this opening scene, when the Griswolds are traveling to get their Christmas tree, the highway they're on is Colorado State Highway 9, just outside Silverthorne in Summit County, Colorado. And I've always loved Chevy Chase's funny singing voice when he sings in that Kermit the Frog, like, <laughs> joy to the world. That's always cracked me up. It, it, it's yeah. like someone trying who thinks they're, they have a good voice, but, but they don't. And, you know, he just puts so much of his performance into it. So this truck bit, when this pickup truck starts tailgating him and he has this back and forth of them, how well has that aged? It's almost more believable and funny now that this would happen, you know? Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> I love I just love it because it does like the it starts the movie starts very innocently with the cartoon. And I guess it's also worth mentioning too that the first two movies I believe are rated R. And I think this is probably I think this is the first I could be wrong about European Vacation, but I think this is the first PG-13 vacation film. And so like the humor up until <laughs> the point where they pass him and he flips him off is relatively clean between the cartoon and like the singing and yeah. the kids and the parents <laughs> back and forth. So I just love that it starts off very clean and innocent and immediately kind of reverts back to Chevy Chase vacation territory. Yes. And by the way, I'm, I'm looking it up to see if they corrected it because I remember renting European vacation and it's PG and there are straight up mm. tits everywhere in that movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy oh, that, how much nudity you know there what? is. I didn't even think about that. Vacation could be PG as well, but they're definitely both. They should be R-rated. So films. now it looks like it is PG thirteen, but I swear I, I remember renting it and looking at the videotape and go and it's saying PG. So it might have yeah. been released at that time before PG thirteen existed, and then they, you know, they retconned it. That would make sense. Yeah, but it's just so funny. Like all this truck is missing. Like just CGI a Let's Go Brandon sticker on it, and it's like immediately. <laughs> like more believable now um but so the other question i had watching this you know it was it was funny like when i told my wife sarah we were doing this she was like oh and then i was gonna watch it again she was like oh because you've never seen it and i was like i've never watched it with this eye you know i always watch it just to enjoy it i've never like taken notes on it and, and i'm gonna like deconstruct it and unpack it later but i never considered this what kind of christmas tree farm are they going to because it looks like there are no christmas trees there like we went we cut down our own christmas tree and there are 
rows and rows and rows as far as the right. eye can see. Well, I think I think that's the thing. He doesn't he doesn't want to go to yeah. a Christmas tree farm, so he's he's purposefully going to the middle of nowhere. But it is a farm because you know they hit the sign that says trees, and that's oh, where that's they farm. True. Yeah, it is a business. But I would love to like go like next time I go to this Christmas tree farm, I'm gonna go into the woods and, like, and then like drag this giant tree back. Go, oh what? I thought I thought you could cut down any tree you want. Honestly, impressive. They would probably let you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They will. They'd probably charge me the eighty bucks or whatever it is and say, "All right, fair play." I, I, uh, I got to point out since we're just kind of jumping around, knowing what I know about getting cars stuck in snow, there is absolutely no way that station wagon is moving anywhere once they hit that tree sign it, it is staying in that snow let alone apparently driving out to the tree they find in the middle of the no a middle of nowhere and yanking it down with some chains and driving back there is no fucking way i'm i I'm, well, that, that's a good question i don't know how they got the tree because I, I never even suspected that they drove the car out there right because the the bit is that they had to walk so far out there that yeah. audrey's frozen yeah which my first my first like big laugh in the movie is when he's like oh isn't it beautiful honey and his wife's like Audrey will see it later later her yeah. eyes are frozen uh, by the way did uh, everyone else google can your eyes freeze because i did and apparently they <laughs> apparently they can't or at least not like you know you don't have to worry about it <laughs> good I, I will keep that in mind the next time I'm if, if they are yeah by the way if they are fro- exactly if they are frozen it's the least of your worries you're in a situation where that's the least <laughs> of your worries i'll say that oh man <laughs> so yeah i don't know it, it, i just assumed that it was kind of one of those slapstick things that isn't explained that he somehow gets the tree yeah, out of how the they how all four of them. intact <laughs> yeah that's true i never considered he doesn't have that a, it's like he brought a shovel with him you know like, i know i, I didn't bring any of it idea <laughs> Yeah, and like, where were they digging with their hands in the frozen ground all around this giant root? Uh, I don't know. But back at the uh, Griswold household, we meet the star of Seinfeld, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And we actually meet it this time. Yeah, exactly. Although she's not the last person from Seinfeld in this movie, I found out. I will point them out uh, as they come along. I know. I couldn't believe it. But yeah, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and and her uh, yuppie husband. Uh, You could see this movie as them being like the victims of just like the absolute (laughs) worst neighborly behavior I mean, like, they're unpleasant to be around, but I don't know that they deserve everything that happens to them in the movie. I think that's it. I think they're just a foil for, like, we need something to happen to somebody, and we don't want it to necessarily happen to anybody in Clark's family this time. Right. But also, you, you bring up a great point. They're, like, the antithesis of the down-home family Christmas. Like, they're, again, not to jump around too much, but later on, they're having, like, a giant cheese plate and margaritas on Christmas Eve night, as opposed yeah. to turkey and, like, around with their family. Like, they're alone essentially they're alone together on christmas and and clark has all of his loved ones around him so it's just i think uh, again like a good anti anti antithesis antithesis yeah to to clark's you know uh down home family christmas like i said well the big the big things that i wanted to discuss in, in relative to their lifestyle it definitely seemed like when they mentioned the stereo and they have the shot of the stereo yeah. it seemed like this was from a time where that would be indicative of a yuppie or somebody who is richer like the way that they kind of emphasize like what happened to the stereo like it seemed like <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was maybe like a more expensive setup or something where it was like you know maybe not as common around the time that everyone had like a quote-unquote stereo or turntable or whatever 
And then the second thing, I'm assuming that the spacesuits they are wearing are for cutting more weight, <laughs> or for like, are for sweating more or yes. something. They're I, uh, they're sauna suits. Sauna suits. Was this? I could be just totally naive. Was this like a fad kind of thing, like in the 80s, or was this common for a while? I, I Does think anyone so. have more information yeah, on sauna suits? I, I don't, but I but I think I recognize the trend just from being a kid around that time. That yeah, sweating mm. became like the way to burn calories or whatever like so one of my favorites i love this part too like talk about i mean this take would take balls even a neighbor i don't like which i don't think i have i wouldn't say this to when he's like where are you gonna put a tree that big clark bend over i'll show you he's like you can't talk to me like that i wasn't talking to you oh my gosh like that's yeah, one of I the fucking the best part. comebacks yeah i know god damn i, I forgot this I, I remembered the bend over and i'll show you and i was like haha very that's that's a good one and then in the second part game, i was like whoa clark is a fucking alpha like, oh He's my gosh, he cucked that guy so bad. <laughs> oh my god! Jesus Christ. <laughs> But, oh um, man! But, so, he's not one. He's not one of these beta fucks. He is not. He's not a beta yuppie. He's an alpha. Um, I don't know what. He's a wolf. Yeah, alpha wolf. I did think it was weirdly like. Um, it, it, you know, they say like the Simpsons predict the future a lot. It was weird that there was a Let's Go Brandon sticker on the, it, like, throughout <laughs> the Griswold house. Yeah, yeah. Just an ornament uh, <laughs> on, the, on the back of the car. The Christmas themed Trump as Santa flag flying oh, out front. No. I had no. Oh, I really no. bizarre. <laughs> All those jokes that hit differently now. Later on, Clark is at work. And I, lo I, I love his sweet Tasmanian devil mug. His Looney Tunes mug, I think, is, is pretty awesome. And also, we meet the star of Seinfeld, Brian Doyle Murray. Remember, he in? he's Bubble Boy's dad. Oh, fuck. Who drives right. the Yoohoo truck. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. god damn it. I know. I, I just saw this episode like a week and a half ago on, on Comedy Central. I, yep. I should have remembered. Yeah, the great, the great Brian Doyle Murray of the famous Murray family, and and this, you know, I gotta say this bit bit killed me as a kid too. I remember, and I've always loved it when everybody starts leaving and Clark starts the kiss my ass, kiss his ass, kiss your ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Merry Christmas, Merry good. Christmas, kiss my ass, kiss my ass. <laughs> yeah, like as as they get down in lower, you gotta imagine the lower importance guys are down there. So yeah, that's like a bit I feel like I heard repeated by kids when I was like in school or something <laughs> like it feels like this was there was I and I man it's gonna kill me to remember I think there was maybe a couple quotes or or things that I would not have remembered came from this movie that I have heard enter the vernacular since it was released yeah yeah oh definitely but. so I got to move on to the lingerie counter unless anybody uh, wants to throw in because that also is you know a pretty funny oh, oh, bit the the whole scene about Chevy Chase modern day just being distracted for five minutes by, by boobs. A horn, horn dog Chevy Chase, yeah. I, I will defend this. I think this scene is very funny. Oh, yeah. And I also, this, this is a funny, this is a scene that he's never going to listen to this, so my dad's not a pervert, but uh, this is definitely a scene that my dad laughed at, like, very hard yeah. when we were growing up, and so it's something that I remember most about the movie, and I, I do think it's very funny. I, I like Russ's reaction, too, when he sees his dad looking at essentially this <laughs> lingerie counter sales lady's ass like oh, there's my horn dog dad uh, of course i should have known you know but I, I love all of the like almost like the old snl bit what, what was kevin nealon's subconscious no 
what do they call it? Damn it. What's the word I'm looking for? Subliminal, subliminal guy, you know, where, where he's like, well, the, the stores wouldn't be any hooter hotter than they are. And he just starts <laughs> mentioning like adultery for no reason. <laughs> instead of, instead of Christmas, he says adultery. Yeah. All of this I, I love. So all of the parents arrive at the Griswold house and we meet the star of Seinfeld, John Randolph, the erased from history Ooh. star of Seinfeld. <laughs> The very first no way Frank Costanza no way yeah wow wow yes. oh my god <laughs> erased from history but not from Christmas Vacation so we we can count it so as Clark starts decorating his house it, it occurred to me this this movie it's so like for lack of a better word it's so deep because it seems like a series of sketches about the holidays you know it's like there's very little stringing this movie together if i could use a light metaphor too um that i'm it's just a series of funny things about getting ready for christmas that the overall theme of it about this dad trying to make the best damn christmas he can for his family and his loved ones and holding it together internally and externally it it just all needs to tie together so much better because of that like there's no plot you know what i mean but there is Uh, (laughs) yep this i feel like what did i just watch recently that was very similar Neighbors, this is insane. There's a movie called Neighbors, not the Seth Rogen one, uh. that stars Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi. And it is from this, it is from the 80s. It was actually John Belushi's last film, but they switched roles, like typecast roles. Mm. So Dan Aykroyd plays the goofball and John Belushi's the straight man. And similarly, it is essentially a series of sketches about just like having neighbors. a bad neighbor. There's no real plot structure to it it's just kind of these things happen there's a beginning and an end and i would this is similar the the difference i guess is just and i don't know this is probably just the director's credit it's probably just good directing and everything but a lot of times movies can like fail like that if they don't have something kind of holding it anchoring it down but this movie it's kind of perfectly paced for that yeah you know? yeah yeah and it's just so i mean it's almost character based as crazy as that sounds for like a slapstick right. comedy it's like all everything has to happen with the character because it, otherwise it's, it is just it's just like here's something funny about decorating here's something funny about shopping here's something funny yeah. about you know so uh, i gotta point out we see, we meet the yuppie neighbors again as he's decorating and i thought todd's aviators were pretty sweet only because that's exactly what i wore I had a like my dad was in the Air Force, so he literally gave me just like the aviators that they sell at the BX for when I needed sunglasses. And I wore them forever, like up through college. And people used to make fun of me because they look like cop sunglasses because it was before aviators were cool. But then big surprise. I hope they look back and go, like, damn, he was actually right about something. He, he literally actually, like right after you stopped wearing them, they became cool again. Probably. Yeah, probably right, <laughs> right around when I needed like uh, prescription sunglasses. People were like, aviators are the best. But I remember putting them on and, and one of my friends going, OK, Officer Murphy. Or whatever. I was like, whatever. I think they look badass. I think I look like Tom Cruise. Is this um? Is this the part where Todd yells out, "I hope he falls and breaks his neck"? Or, or he I think Margo says that. He's yeah, yeah. And then he says he'll probably fall, but we're not lucky enough to have him break his neck. Okay. Can we point out how god awful the ADR is for some reason? <laughs> I didn't notice actually this time. Nor I didn't I'm on notice top of either. It's like not even synced up with their lips. <laughs> Um, I love the idea that, like, for some reason they had to switch and, like, the original lines were like, there's Clark, my favorite neighbor. And then Julia Louis-Dreyfus was like, I hope he has a Merry Christmas. Yeah, like, no, like hey, right guys, him. this isn't really working. We're going to need to... Uh... You know uh, you, you know the bit in The Simpsons where it's uh, Casablanca, edited for seniors. 
Yeah. It, <laughs> yeah. That version of Christmas Vacation. There's Clark. He's my favorite neighbor. <laughs> that, that That's the senior citizen version. And everyone just goes, oh, how nice. They're sweet neighbors. Hey, Clark, let's go, Brandon. Oh, <laughs> they, they have so much it. in common. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, Is that, that's our third let's go, Brandon, of this episode. And I just said the fourth. Oh my God! Uh, Looking yeah. forward to January sixth <laughs> with my favorite neighbors. <laughs> Can we ride Christ. in your station wagon with you? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm glad that scene was deleted. <laughs> yeah, original draft of this movie was very strange. <laughs> yeah, oddly predictive too. Uh, I got to mention this Christmas parade here too. I found out that this, <laughs> this Christmas themed parade footage is from America's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which has been held in downtown Detroit annually since 1924. Uh, Detroit is a hometown <laughs> of John Hughes, who as we know wrote and produced this movie but this movie does not take place in detroit it's outside <laughs> chicago just like all the griswold the griswolds are from the chicago uh, area it, thank you for looking this up why are they watching it on december 14th <laughs> i guess we're supposed to think it's a christmas parade because you, you do see santa like in like in thanksgiving parade you see santa and yeah. christmas themed stuff but i guess they just needed some something cheap to buy to have on tv i don't know <laughs> But yeah, any any Christmas themed parade really does just seem like a Thanksgiving parade only because there's I think there's like a Disney Christmas parade, but they're not a thing. So first of all, I thought this was weird. Clark doesn't decorate until December 14th. Like that seems like a waste. Yeah. Yeah. Like how long do you keep yeah. them up? And you'd also think that you would want to have the decoration set up for the family. Yeah. Right? When they got there. <laughs> yeah. Right. But that, uh, so that, that just means like the parents arrived and there's there's nothing. I, the tree is up, but that's it. There's no lights on the house. Yeah, exactly. I don't see any other decorations throughout the house. Yeah. I put mine up. First of all, I, I wanted to do it while we had a little warm snap. So mine were up like before Thanksgiving, I think. I didn't have them on, but they were up, you know? Yeah. Ours were around November as well. Yeah. Yeah. So when Clark falls off the roof and ice from the gutter goes through Todd and Margot's <laughs> house, and you already mentioned this, this stereo. Like, I, I still don't understand how that's a stereo. I remember being as a kid going like, what did it hit? But even now, it's still. I still don't understand. Was were were two of those things speakers? It's like this. It looks like a PlayStation almost. You know, like a PlayStation Two kind of, but flatter. You know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I still don't get how it's a stereo, and I still don't get how Todd and Margot sleep in that tiny twin bed all the beds in this movie <laughs> like clark and his wife when they're in during that sap scene like it looks like they're sleeping in a twin bed they're, and todd they're and margo like right next yeah. to each other yeah there's like, nowhere that, to go <laughs> that, that would that would never fly but behind todd and margo i was like maybe that's a guest room up in the loft and the master bedroom is somewhere else it's not a loft that would make sense but no like when they're getting ready to go to bed it's like that's their bed i'm like that is a twin bed max <laughs> like, <laughs> i need room to thrash <laughs> yeah. at night well, after they work out in those uh, space suits, <laughs> yeah. they're thin as can be. Oh, that's true. Squeeze, <laughs> you know. It's interesting that these characters have one of the most famous exchanges in this movie. And I would say Todd gets the best line because everyone knows, you know, why is the carpet wet, Todd? I don't know, Margot. Like, <laughs> Which is currently yeah. a trending sound on TikTok. Oh, really? Yeah interesting probably because this movie's on constantly but i've always thought it was weird that that's one of the pull quotes from this movie that people remember it has nothing to do with christmas or the griswolds i don't know margo it's that delivery for sure yeah he nailed it I, i'm jumping ahead a lot but when clark finally gets the lights going well no he doesn't get the lights going yet when he when he brings everybody out to see the lights and they don't work who has the best drum roll who does the best drum roll <laughs> you can imitate it if you'd like because it's tough to tell who's doing what i really liked Ellen's dad yes. is going, 
<laughs> That's one of my favorites too. <laughs> There's no reason for otherwise for Doris Roberts to go <laughs> like that. Like, have you heard a drum, ma'am? <laughs> so Doris Roberts does the and someone else is doing the like child machine gun sound effect too which honestly to me just now sounded like the most accurate so i'm going to think that's my i'm going to say that's my favorite the the kid machine gun one i'm 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 sticking with the i don't even know what to label it ellen's dad yeah yeah the drowning man it, it's <laughs> blah, blah, it's blah, like blah, blah, blah. it's a speedboat going very slow because it just saw a no wake sign yeah. it's the idling Yes, idling, that's the word. God damn it. (laughs) So the lights don't work, and I also have to point out here, all the grandpas in bed being pervs. (laughs) You know, when you're a grandpa, you just stay up being a perv late at night <laughs> the yes the shot of him smiling at the poster above the bed is very very funny and then john randolph is reading sassy magazine which i found out was like a teen i think ym or that kind of magazine that ran from 88 to 96 he's reading that in bed so uh, i gotta bring up my dad here for the attic scene because the attic scene used to affect my father like viscerally <laughs> because addicts to dads are like so important that's that's what I got I garnered from this portion of the scene of watching my dad watch this movie because so many like the ladder hitting him in the face the board hitting him in the face like my dad watching Chevy Chase make every mistake you can make in an attic just cracked him up to no end and I think it's because of this relationship my dad had with like the attic was his domain the storage was arranged the way he did it he was the only one that went up there I don't know why I just associate him with this so much. Is this where the Simpsons got the bit of Sideshow Bob stepping on the rakes? <laughs> Maybe. I think it's just a funny thing to happen to anybody like that. But the part my dad like almost couldn't bring himself to laugh at laugh at is when Chevy is literally walking on the ceiling drywall. He was like, no, <laughs> yeah. no. Absolutely don't do not. That. Yep. <laughs> Abs- not even fun. Don't even joke about it, Chevy, okay? <laughs> and then we see why. <laughs> But this speaks to something that you brought up earlier with about how much heart and sentimentality is in this movie. This is where we get the bulk of it, the family movie montage. And Clark finds these old movies and watches them when he's uh, trapped in the attic and everybody else went shopping. And every year that passes, I choke up a little bit more during this scene. It's very good. And it's it's also a, a very good blend of that and the comedy of him being putting on everything he can find in the attic yeah, to yeah. stay warm. <laughs> Um, yeah, I agree. And, and also, his, yeah, as Ted said, walking <laughs> his feet going through the there's the There's one thing that I got to point out that maybe maybe I'm just like overthinking this. Once he falls through the ceiling onto Rusty's bed, like the top bunk of, I'm assuming it was Rusty's bed. Yeah. He then stays up in the attic where it's freezing watching his home movies. Why does he not just crawl down through the hole that he just broke into i thought about this as well (laughs) i think it's because i've always just landed on the bed is too high you know there's no way like when he lands on the bed it's like at shin level for some like no one could sleep up there comfortably so they moved it for this scene but i think it's because of that like there was no way for him to move his legs where he can slither out of that little hole comfortably so then break more drywall 
Yeah, you might as well at that point. Well, <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I about was, that. <laughs> that's it. First, like you've already first, got to patch it. Yeah. At first, I was like, oh, it just wouldn't be very funny to see a man <laughs> try to. And then immediately in my head, I was like, no, actually, it'd be very it'd be funny Chevy to see Chase Chevy doing Chase trying yeah. to yeah, slide out of a very small hole in the ceiling. Yeah, totally. Um, I don't want to jump too forward either, but if we're talking about the emotional moments of the movie, for me, I don't know if this has something to do with. Um, age range or anything or the way that my life has been changing as i get older but him talking to his niece ruby about santa when she's awake and she catches chevy chase awake and they talk for a little bit and she talks about how like her family is you know obviously eddie's stuff is played up for laughs like throughout the whole movie but gen i did genuinely thought it was a very like heartfelt moment when they have that conversation she talks about like all of her family's christmases being very sparse and uh what she likes about clark's house and he is she she like has you know starting to lose her belief in santa mm-hmm. and, and he does everything he can as like an uncle to kind of change that i thought that was a very surprisingly sweet moment yeah another great example of the heart that this movie has yes so we do finally get the lights lit and I, I had to look this up too because a nuclear power plant turns on its auxiliary power. <laughs> I, so I had to look it up and Chicago does get its, in fact, all of Northern Illinois does get its power from Byron Nuclear Generating Station. Huh. So that's accurate power plant portrayal. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I know. Now you know. <laughs> I've also always loved, because this is something that A Christmas Story does that's very funny, how he has plugs on plugs on plugs in those in that one plug in his utility room or garage or whatever it is i've always thought that was hilarious and another thing that always made my dad laugh too like seeing that (laughs) so when chevy after failing to get the christmas lights to work one last time you know he's going to light up santa at least he can get the floodlights to work but they don't even work uh and he and he, he beats up the plastic decorations in the front yard chevy chase actually broke his pinky finger while punching santa claus so that's why he basically kicks and doesn't huh. hit any of the other things after that he did, might even did like they use the take where he broke his pinky i in think the so final cut? yeah wow. so he resorts to like kicking and clubbing the decorations uh and the film kept rolling and that take was used yeah that's kind of yeah. cool i love how he karate chops all the antlers off of the deer <laughs> that's always been funny to me so we pick back up right at the perfect spot the introduction of the great character cousin eddie randy quaid himself uh, rest his soul surprise it mark <laughs> rest his soul if we could reference an earlier um <laughs> and we meet him and his wife and the kids and if i'm not mistaken the wife is the same oh there he is i just heard him <laughs> Uh, cousin Eddie. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, the wife is the same actress from Vacation. They visit Cousin Eddie in, in the first Vacation movie. That's where he's introduced. And I believe the wife is the same. And, and the two others, obviously, are, are not. Ruby Sue and Rocky. Ruby Sue, the gag about her eyes is pretty funny. Like, first of all, the actress is just adorable. Yeah. That gag killed, that but gag also, killed me. <laughs> she falls in a well, her eyes cross, gets kicked by a mule, they go uncrossed. I don't know. I, <laughs> it's so funny. This is like, I, I, this has to be something about like my dad's sense of humor, like really bleeding through. It's kind of this like redneck, red green type humor yeah. that I, that like growing up, I probably wouldn't have even thought to chuckle at but now for some reason like those are the bits that get me the hardest um i really 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 enjoyed cousin eddie's uh, screen performance in this film (laughs) so inside we see the famous moose mugs 
from Wally World, a reference again to the first vacation movie. Yep. They don't, you know, the, and these have become, did the, an- yeah. did the antlers fill? No, the antlers are just handles. Uh, see, wait, 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 wait. I, I thought there was a handle outside of the antlers. No, it's just the antler. Yeah, you pick it up by the antler. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Miss that one. If there's a ha- if there's a handle outside of the antlers, how are you supposed to tip it to your face? Well, oh, that's yeah. a great question. <laughs> I, I did not think this through. I'm, I'm going to actually look up the mug while we continue to talk because I'm... <laughs> yeah, that's something you, you can buy them now. Like they became, I feel, and I feel like that was only in the last like 10 years or so that they started going on sale. Well, the moose mugs, I mean, you can get them on a website now. I, I got one, I think for my brother or something like that. And one time I brought one because it definitely falls under, they probably did this on purpose, but it fell under the bring a gift office Christmas party ceiling, like price ceiling. Um, yeah. And so I brought either one or two. I don't know. I brought a set one year to that, like, you know, the, the Yankee swap that we did down in Jackson. And it was a big hit. I love this. I'm looking at case- this right now. They have it at Kohl's for $17. The moose mug? The moose mug? It is That's on awesome. sale right now. And I should have yeah, one. I'm There's no reason tempted. I don't. Here's what, something I saw at Home Depot this year. They have a little plush car that drives around. And I, I want to say, I was just looking it up to see which song it plays, but it does play a song. And here's the thing. It plays Holiday Road, but it's a Christmas vacation. It's like the station wagon from Vacation, which they're not driving in this. You know, the station wagon <laughs> from that first movie is like kind of a big joke throughout the movie, but it's got a giant Christmas tree with the roots on it. And... It drives around in circles and plays Holiday Road. It's funny the description. It says, animated figure moves and turns to charm your guests. <laughs> oh, my God. I, uh, I'm going to have to demand somebody lose their job over this. This is <laughs> poor attention to detail. Um, but also they make the, the Cousin Eddie RV, too, that I believe also plays Holiday Road, even though it, um, <laughs> that's not yeah, yeah. playing an instrumental version of Holiday Road. There you go. So, but, but they are pretty cool, I got to admit, even though they play the incorrect song. <laughs> Here's another gag that hurt my dad viscerally is when Snot, the dog, is drinking the tree water. And he's like, oh, like my dad would literally go, oh, no, like the tree, like worried that the tree was going to dry out. <laughs> Uh, and now, it. as someone with a live Christmas tree, I feel that I feel that pain again. Like so much of this, I appreciate now, like on that fatherly level. And I look at my dad, and I feel like it brings us closer in some way, in some weird way. Definitely, but definitely, I, yeah. I I grew up with live Christmas trees, and I'm right now we have cats, we have young cats, so we cannot have a real uh, tree right now. But I, I, it really does not feel the same to me, and I. I <laughs> cannot wait for the day where i can have a live tree again we get another this is another good like skit moment in i don't know if anybody wanted to talk about the scene uh in there's there's a lot of funny gags with cousin eddie when he first gets inside like all of the propeller like the propellers flying off of that wooden thing and like i love how he touches them and they all fly off instantaneously (laughs) like it's just such a great shot but this is another good example of this just being a series of sketches put together when clark goes in and gives his boss the present from he and his wife and he's like i put it on the table with the others and every single one of them looks alike i've always loved that detail it's like a big box and then a a skinny box next to it and they're all wrapped not exactly the same way but they all are identical you can tell everybody got on the exact same thing like some probably some desk organizer or something like that now clark's boss if i'm not mistaken uh i did not look this up to confirm but i am 99 positive because that voice it belongs to one man and he is uh the voice of the man who owns noah's arcade in wayne's world definitely that's definitely brian doyle Murray. Yes. yeah and so that was an there's actually quite a few pe- uh similar um 
Uncle Lewis, I think is his name in the film, uh, the voice of the Doctor in Nightmare Before Christmas. There's a there's a handful of character actors in here whose oh. like voices I recognized almost oh. immediately as being uh, from other films and stuff. We go from the boss and all the presents looking alike to another quote unquote skit. This has nothing to do with the plot of the movie, but it is just Clark trying to provide every Christmas experience that he can when they go sledding. So this is what I forgot. This is this is a part of the movie that I did not remember at all. This was another favorite scene of mine as a kid, just because I was a big sledder. Yeah, you know, like I loved sledding, so of course that spoke to me. Yep, this um, was essentially new for me. <laughs> I was I was like, what is oh. going on here? Um, <laughs> did, did you crack up at it then? I thought you, it was I thought it? it was great. I loved it. You know what's going to? It's one of those things where you know exactly what's going to happen <laughs> before it happens, but the intensity with which the sled takes off, it is like a gunshot or an explosion. Yeah, and it is so <laughs> over the top good that it, it, you just you can't help but crack up at it it's great one thing i noticed looking watching with this with a different eye this time was is this like an official city sledding hill there's like floodlights and there's oh my car, god yeah and it's like official it, it looks like it's a ski slope honestly yeah. yeah yeah like this is a municipal sledding hill which i didn't know was something that the towns would, would do this scene had and it looks like it's finally been removed this scene was famous because there was a visible wire throughout like anytime Clark, or his, more likely his stunt double, is on <laughs> the sled. You could see the wire that pulled the sled, and they just never got rid of it. But I was looking for it this time, and I was like, all right, they definitely just got rid of it. Did anyone remember seeing that wire? No, I don't. It was like one of the most obvious movie mistakes of all time, and they just didn't care. <laughs> it adds to the charm, I think, of the the kind of movie. Like a movie like this, you can almost lean into movie goofs to <laughs> as like a as like a part of it. I was gonna say, like, it was very funny to me that what was. To me, I think obvious, like probably blue screen when he is just kind of yeah. like spinning yeah. in circles, as, <laughs> spinning as, slowly yeah, <laughs> as, as everything passes him at like sixty miles an hour. It was great. I suppose it's. Po I mean, it. You know, the y axis and the x axis aren't completely related. That he can spin that slow and move that fast down the way, <laughs> but it just doesn't look right. It still doesn't look right. I suppose physically it's possible. But yeah, I guess they finally, I don't know when they removed the infamous visible wire, but I, I, I think it's completely gone. The next little scene we get, again, kind of like, kind of very skittish, is the famous Shitter's Full. Shitter's Full, love it. Shitter's Full. Is, is, that, is that next? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's next. It's just the next thing I wrote down. Ah, okay, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you have something, yeah, by, by all means. Um, well, I mean, we, we, just get, we just get like a Clark talking to Ruby Sue uh, who interrupts him. Oh, was that from the... an, another scene of picturing Mary from the mall's boobs yeah, in the yeah. pool? Is that... And there's a shot in this that is edited out of TV, I think. I think there's, a, there's like a solid side boob moment is. that is not in the TV broadcast yep. that I didn't remember because oh, I, yeah. that's, that's all i'd seen yeah, yeah. i remember is, that this uh tim you might know is this a throwback to the first and i don't know if they do this in european vacation as well but is this a throwback to the first vacation movie when they're at the hotel and there's like the naked woman in the hotel pool is it is it i never thought at about all that supposed but to be i think there is related or a homage or just i don't know i think it has to be at least a reference to the way clark thinks that right. like pools mean naked women yeah you know, no matter sure. who that is <laughs> you know if it's christy brinkley 
or Martina Scorsese, whatever her name was, or my wife, Nicolette Scorsese. I like Martina. I would have gone all the way if I was her and like trading on the Scorsese (laughs) name. Oh, yeah. You mean my brother Martin? Martin? Martina? (laughs) Makes sense. Yeah. I think he wants a pool because he thinks he may be able to seduce women with it. I've never connected them before. His fantasies are very voyeuristic because he's never a part of them. And in this one, it's it's funny because like (laughs) she takes her bikini bottoms off or her top off. Uh, which you which is off screen but then she like essentially throws it at the window <laughs> which means in his fantasy yeah. he is what he is in fact <laughs> watching her from a window that is separating him from what he wants it's very funny it, i feel like there's a graduate level thesis paper about what you just brought up like the the kinks of clark griswold or whatever well werner herzog just being like uh in national lampoon's christmas vacation there is uh, shades of hitchcock yeah yeah definitely but thank goodness for that scene because i this is a visceral memory to me this was one of those scenes that you're watching as a kid with your parents you're all watching this very funny movie and then there's something sexual and you're like great nobody move nobody breathe (laughs) it's gonna be over in a second let's not acknowledge it and then when that with that little bit of comic relief it's like oh thank god like i can breathe for a second and this is probably almost over does anyone have i'm gonna just keep derailing this is gonna be like a four-hour episode but does anyone have stories (laughs) about like moments like that in movies that were particularly awkward or uncomfortable because when i i I grew up watching i watched um (laughs) an american werewolf in london with a couple of neighbor kids uh, up the street and their mom was watching with us and there's a scene at the end of the movie that takes place in an adult theater and she made us close all of our eyes and we were Uh. like I was probably like 12 or 13 so it wasn't like the end of the world but she was like all right close your eyes and I closed my eyes and this could be false memory I was a 13 year old but I I swear (laughs) that I was not looking but she said out loud when I'm watching this with like four of my friends, she was like, Aaron, stop peeking. And it was just like, oh, my life was like you. ruined. I was like, I am, I am oh. a pervert. <laughs> my life is over. I can never see these people again. <laughs> Were you peeking though? I don't, I don't think I was. I, yeah. I really don't think I was. She was just trying to be funny. Yeah. I No, I think she, th- maybe, I, I don't know. Oh. I, 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 she thought you were peeking. Yeah, maybe my fingers weren't tight enough. It would be funny though to like, I'll pick another friend. I'll make up a friend's name. Right. Just so you don't feel weird. But like, Jason, get your hand out of your pants. Right. Ah, yeah, I'm just well, kidding, for sure. guys. You know? Like, <laughs> so I have no idea. Um, if, that, if it was a bit, uh, good on her because it's stuck with me for <laughs> a decade. You for yeah, 15 years now, <laughs> I have thought about. On that same spiel, I saw in the theaters, Zach and Miri make a porno with my mother. Why? Oh, yeah, wait. <laughs> what? what are you, an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> this seems, yeah, this does seem like it's your fault. What What happened? <laughs> That's a victim blame, but this seems entirely like it was your fault. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't, uh, wasn't the brightest thing. Uh, it just looked like a funny movie and I wanted to go see it and we did, you know? I don't understand how this made it past committee, you know, that nobody said no to this before it happened. You Your know? mom must have been down. I, I, yeah. I don't know. Did she, did I she guess. like the movie? I honestly don't know. She called this it incredibly like- unrealistic. <laughs> This was a, this was in a weird uh, time where like my mother was trying to do anything to like win my favor because they were like just recently post divorce her and my father 
and she was just like, "Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll do whatever as as long as as long as one of my kids likes me." <laughs> I uh, not to take Tim's turn here, but the, similarly, there was um, saw <laughs> saw was like a teenage like gorehound, and Saw Four came out, and I could not see it because I was. 15 probably and or 14 maybe and i remember going to the movies with my mom and saw four was out and then there was a movie she wanted to see with steve carell called dan in real life oh. which she loves and that movie sucks but i we like stood there and i remember being like it's really not that bad like saw is like really like you could handle it like it's really not that bad and it's like it's awful and and like and i so fortunately, does she? Do, does your mother really not do gore? She doesn't horror? do horror at all. And at the okay. time, I was just dying to see this movie for whatever reason. And then we got there, <laughs> and thank God, whatever, some kind of common sense in me, like we we talked about it, and I was just like, let's go, let's see the movie you want to see. And I am like, <laughs> have never been more thankful that like my mom did not have to sit through. She, I remember her taking me to Scary Movie Four, and that was like. <laughs> embarrassing enough to, that she sat through that for me i'm glad that she did not have to sit through software for her like 14 year old weirdo uh pervert son. i can't remember any uh specific time it just you know just in general i've probably watched a lot of movies that did that but yeah i don't remember anything specific besides this one i do remember i i just remember this movie always takes me back to like we lived on base when i was fourth or fifth grade we were in germany we lived in germany my parents you know my my parents were stationed there so this just we had like one family room and this tiny little tv and it always takes me back to that little living room there i can like smell it and feel it it's crazy but yeah i remember you know laying on my back watching this scene and like hoping you know nobody said anything or or nothing nothing broke the tension but then the underwear hits the window and everything's fine for another second until she starts getting out of the pool. And it's like, don't show. I mean, I want to see it, but come on. <laughs> right. My parents are here. They don't want to see that. But shout out to after this, uh, you know, great scene. And, and then with the heartwarming scene with Ruby Sue, too. Yes, uh, a highlight for me, for sure. One of my favorite jokes as a kid was always like, he's shitting bricks. It's like, well, you really shouldn't say that. Like, sorry, shitting rocks. Like it, that joke doesn't make any sense. She should have known that what he was talking about, but it always cracked me up as a kid just because it was a kid cursing. A lot of the humor in this, and maybe it was like some kind of weird connection I wasn't making with like that power plant gag, but there are bits of this. And that's like one of those lines that reminds me of like something I would hear in like the Simpsons, obviously like toned down with the, with, they wouldn't say shit on the Simpsons, but yeah, yeah. kind of that quick turn humor, that back and forth, uh, like misdirection kind of joke. Yes. You know? That's exactly the word I was going to use. I love when people say, Oh no, it's not like, like I remember watching this random show on Disney channel about like something about the parks. And the guy was like, there it is. Our fromage to the parks. And they're like, it's homage. And he was like, Oh, sorry. Our homage to fromage or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I love I love that kind of joke. Me too. Yeah. Me so too. The, the, the shit and rocks, shit and bricks joke uh, definitely worked. Yeah. In the shitter's full scene, which is a, just a classic, you know what I mean? And this like disgust, they couldn't have picked a better. I don't know if this was the David Lynch composer guy who picked this like tuba version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but it's absolutely perfect and disgusting for this scene. It's just the worst, but like it, it tuba fits. music. Uh, yeah, and, and David Lynch off screen being like, "Randy, you're going to be hosing shit into the sewer line, okay? Your neighbors are dis- your shitters full. Your shitters full. Your neighbors are disgusted with you, but you're having a great time." 
action. <laughs> and shout out to the brewery at Union Station up in Erie, whose Christmas brew that comes out this time every year is called Shitter's Full, one word, uh, and has a caricature of, of Randy Quaid on, on the front. I've always great. thought that was a great name for a holiday brew, Shitter's Full. Uh, and they do barrel-aged Shitter's Full, and yeah, it's uh, it's good stuff. But when, when, so when Clark, and now we can actually get a little, when Eddie shows up, I feel like the plot really kicks into high gear because the stakes raise a little bit for Clark because not only does he have to provide, he was already in over his head providing a great Christmas for the family that he had. Now he has this guy who literally has no Christmas. And we find out at this, uh, at this grocery store scene, I feel like providing that like adds a little bit more plot to, and otherwise, and, and this is not, a drawback from the movie as we talked about but an otherwise plotless movie it reminds me i think did someone just mention this in the parent conversation but it reminds me about of um of american pie 2 where they had to find the secret to being bros or something it was like really tenuous like the plot was almost non-existent to that one <laughs> was that what the one where they had to find uh, like and- the book it was like a big ancient book of like sex secrets. i think that was in the i think that was in the first one okay it's been i have not seen these movies since i think yeah. high school me neither i think they just like i think the plot of two is like we just got to have a great summer as bros like now we're all college bros and we got to and like that was not that's not a plot you right. know and i think like again it was just like a you know the just the worst kind of teen sex comedy but i, I can't believe i just compared christmas vacation to american pie 2 but uh, <laughs> but i did damn it randy quaid says something weird here that when they ask each other like how work is going like they ask clark how work is going he's like your company the one that killed all them people in india (laughs) yeah yeah that was bizarre oh i okay i'm sorry this is off not off topic it's related to cousin eddie but i do want to remember before i forget when he gets there there's a joke that i don't understand and maybe that's the joke is that you're like supposed to just not understand (laughs) he says something about him and his wife getting some time alone uh, yeah. because they just got there and like them taking care of the kids while he and his wife get some time alone and then he says honey don't forget the rubber sheets and the gerbils oh. <laughs> and i don't know what <laughs> i don't know if that's just supposed to be I... extremely irreverent you know like uh, oh their kinks are crazy or is it or like i don't know what the that's what I'm thinking too. Is the like is there. I was thinking I'm like, okay, cousin Eddie likes some piss play. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, I think that's I think that's the joke is like he's yeah, just like about there being kinky or whatever. Yeah. Um but certainly like, you know, anal gerbil play was like a huge hilarious joke in the 80s and 90s. Like there were rumors that like Richard Gere yep. or something. There was always a rumor, yeah, or Robert legend. Redford or somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that somebody got a, you know, got a gerbil stuck up their ass or something like that. So it was definitely a reference to that okay. urban legend, I that think. That makes too. sense. Well, yeah. he's clearly not unbothered by human excrement. So it would make yeah. sense. <laughs> I just looked this up. I think Cousin Eddie asking him about all those people that died in India is a reference to the Bhopal, India industrial accident in 1984. Over 500,000 people were exposed to a highly toxic gas thanks to a gas leak from a union carbide plant. 16,000 people are believed to have died due to the gas. So I guess, I don't know why he connected. I don't know why he collected Clark to that, but I mean, that was certainly a big industrial accident (laughs) in India. It's just a weird conversation. Your company, the one that killed people. This is another great misdirect. We were just talking about this where he's like, oh, I just wish we had that money we sent to that TV preacher who was screwing the hockey player. And Clark goes, what about the kids? He's like, oh, his kids can fend for himself. (laughs) 
just a <laughs> expertly crafted joke exactly in the same yeah. way that we were talking about yep. like so damn funny <laughs> oh his kids can fend for themselves yeah <laughs> what about the kids <laughs> that's very good now so he does have clark is the idea that he is expecting Clark to offer to help because he does produce a list rather quickly of things for his children. Uh, yeah, but also but Clark really has to get it out of him. But then he's ready very quickly, which is played for gags because Chevy does his Chevy mugs like. Right. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's <laughs> supposed to be the gag. Yeah. But like what parent doesn't know yeah. what their kids want for Christmas? Yeah. And and he he almost protests. I think like at least twice. He's like, well, you know, I I'm not one for charity. And then he presses him again. He's like. Oh, I don't know. And then he says, well, if you don't tell us, we're just going to go out and get it ourselves. And then he's like, okay, here it is right here. It's out in alphabetical order, yep. blah, blah, blah. And Chevy goes, boy, oy, oy. Well, and I'm I like, also was, I don't know, that's... the whole time I was wondering, because he's like piling dog food into the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, like, <laughs> Like four fifty pound bags of dog food. Yeah, into the cart. Yeah. Three bags of one brand, and then one bag of another. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Walmart. Uh, I don't know if this was necessarily product placement back then, or if there. I doubt there was any kind of tie-in, but I did notice when during the sledding scene, he runs yeah. into yeah. something in front of a Walmart, and then one of the uh, there's the Purina dog food, and then he throws an even bigger bag of Walmart brand dog food on top of it. Oh yeah, get that value, great value dog food. <laughs> Yeah, and the light bulbs, and neither one of them even notices or cares that he smashes the light bulbs. That's always funny. But yeah, I think he... I. I, my guess is he knows that Clark is just going to pay for everything on that trip. I think he was just trying to get dog food out of this yeah. out of this trip for one thing. And then he was like, wow, presents too. All right. So later we finally meet Lewis and Bethany, Uncle Lewis and Aunt Bethany. <laughs> and she wraps the cat, which is hilarious. And this is one of the most disgusting gags in the whole movie to me. It talk about gagging when Beverly D'Angelo like puts her finger on whatever's dripping out of that one present and then cousin eddie <laughs> puts his entire mouth on it and licks her finger oh my god <laughs> this is the creepiest that ed is because right after that he goes you know he's like oh why don't you and rusty uh, go into the living room or whatever he's like and then he does the like fake punches he goes all right let's go find your sister oh god <laughs> did we have to did we have to <laughs> just gross uh and the turkey scene too that we already kind of talked about this is one of my favorite poll quotes when i don't know if it's anybody else's if it is one of the main poll quotes but when he's like uh you know an airline pilot friend of mine said that he saw santa flying this way <laughs> and then he's like you serious clark yeah <laughs> he seems uh, he seems like mad about it and yeah the, yeah and the, i think like the reason it's so funny is that they just don't like the bit stops there it's it, yeah, yeah. they just like move on with the movie or continue their conversation but it's just well, this very tense <laughs> reaction you serious clark yeah like he, like he's upset he didn't hear but that first before we move away from the turkey scene i, I want to bring this up is carving the turkey at the dinner table a tradition for either of your families no no okay because this this exists in every movie yeah. and every tv show that just happens to like have a thanksgiving or a christmas dinner i can't fucking fathom the idea of sitting everyone down all the sides are ready to go everyone's ready to eat and then spending another 15 to 20 minutes <laughs> carving a turkey <laughs> yeah. in front of everybody just making them watch you yeah i've never known this to actually happen but it exists in every movie and tv show yeah it's total like norman rockwelling it just looks good in a movie right. i think you know yep. it's like this is just good set design you know we need to do something here the idyllic family holiday kind of yeah 
Yeah, yeah. And and honestly, like that's what Clark's trying to do. He's trying to have a Norman Rockwell Christmas. And this is one way to do it with this. I never really got how the turkey ends up like this. It, it's, it's insane. Like, it's cooking? insane. Because it, <laughs> it is there is nothing inside of the turkey. It is the yeah. meat has been cooked out of it. How does uh, that happen? It has all disappeared. And it's so like it's funny because they they do say he says like, Oh, here's the heart, and they do dish out yeah. turkey, which I can only imagine is just like portions of skin uh, and honestly that sounds mm. great that's the yeah, best I'd, part truly i'd be about that i yeah. do love the shot of clark everyone's eating still and clearly like having a bad time and clark's like the way that he's like grinding whatever is in his mouth uh, between his teeth and then yeah. gulping water down is, is very funny <laughs> eddie has another great line before he cuts he goes save the neck for me clark yeah <laughs> another brilliant but also like here's the heart that's a weird thing does that mean they left that little bag in there or is that bag a newer invention than 1989 you know like they have that bag of organs that comes with the turkey i don't think the heart is still in there i think it's i think they give i think they give it to you in that little bag of giblets but so i always (laughs) thought that was weird but yeah i'm I'm glad no one else understands how a turkey could end up like this just by being cooked too long it truly does look i we joked about it being lynching earlier but it it is like it is like alien when the egg opens it's very like yeah yeah, just like it's like quadrants it separates into four parts that just go like like, there are so many great gifs of it online yeah. when I was looking for a picture of it for for this meme that I'm definitely going to tweet out that I that I talked about earlier. Um, <laughs> Uh, that uh, that I was like, that's just a great looking gif. Like, yep. there's something grotesque but also satisfying about it. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I think it is like the fact that it's the one special effect in the whole or practical effect, whatever you want to call it. Like, I would love to know how they. do I want a whole like hour long YouTube about how they did that. Yes, I would, no. and it makes me want to write the great American Thanksgiving body horror film. <laughs> Isn't there? Didn't they make that one that's in not Roadhouse Grindhouse? Um, Thank. Thanks killing. The, well, okay. Thanks killing. Uh, yeah. I think in Grindhouse because I actually just rewatched Grindhouse. Thanksgiving is the trailer, and it's directed by Eli Roth. They did make a movie called Thanks Killing, which is awful. Oh, uh, that's the killer. Yeah, turkey don't movie. don't watch okay. that. It, and the one in, but that's not the one in Grindhouse. No, they are two separate entities. Okay. And then there's a trailer for a movie called Don't that Ed Ed yeah. did the trailer for. And they had talked about, I had just tweeted about this because I, I truly love Grindhouse. I love the idea of it. I love the movies and that. Yeah, yeah. I would love a second Grindhouse movie that, and they've talked about it. Edgar Wright and Eli Roth were talking about doing Thanksgiving and don't for a second Grindhouse movie. I would love, I would oh. love to see that. That would be what a great idea for a series because like a, for sure I'd sit through another Rodriguez yep. Tarantino double bill but getting two other directors to do it that's just like yeah why not man the closest we've had since then is the Machete movies which are which are fun as well and Robert Rodriguez oh, yeah. did those the cat chewing through the cords always affects me viscerally because we had a cat that chewed through it would he would ruin Christmas every single year like first of all he chewed through any cord he could get his mouth around like he ruined so many phone chargers so we had to replace so many cords on so many things when we had this cat but one thing he would always do is chew through that lower layer of lights like i'd come downstairs in the evening you're like oh why aren't the christmas lights on sure enough conan had chewed through the bottom of the christmas light so i finally got little and, <laughs> and actually they're still on there even though conan is long gone i got these little wire covers that i still put on the bottom i put that light strand on first even though conan is is nowhere to be found i guess maybe it's kind of a, a fromage to him um <laughs> not being around anymore yeah I, I like it would just piss me off to no end and so when i see the cat doing that i'm like you little son of a bitch yeah. and i'm almost glad the cat gets what's coming to it <laughs> 
I the cartoonishness of uh, Jess is. I watched this with my partner, and Jess is very sensitive to animal cruelty. And I just, I, oh no, I, no, but it's okay because the route that they take this is so Looney Tunes in real life that it mm-hmm. is you know not disturbing at all. It's just insane. It is like <laughs> yeah, you you don't you don't see anything. You just, you just see you just hear, and then there's just a, a like like a burn spot in the general shape of a cat. Just like fucking Wiley Coyote running into a yeah, not even the know? general shape of a cat. It's like a cat that has like all four <laughs> legs out and yeah, the tail yeah. sticking out. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, and, tail and just, sticking straight out. Yeah. And and just kind of outlined by white fur around <laughs> yeah. the burn spot. Yeah. yeah, it's it's Looney Tunes in the same way that the sled ride is, yes. where he takes off yeah, like that. Yeah. It's like again that that sort of physics, the cartoon physics in the real world. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to say something else that I like about Clark's down home family christmas is he has a bowl of eggnog out constantly yes i want to do that now i want a constant bowl of eggnog warming in my in my living room like where i can just go and get some eggnog anytime it it is sitting out the whole time and and they yeah they drink (laughs) and the mugs are like rather small so like when there's the scene where he's talking to cousin eddie they keep refilling their mugs and then at the end when he's the christmas bonus thing he like downs like three mugfuls of of eggnog <laughs> yeah. when he's having his psychotic break because the, the bonus shows up and it's the jelly of the month club. yes can i say one bit i loved that i've never caught on to before yeah every time that the boss says i we're definitely skipping ahead now um but every time that um it's brought up like when clark is at work or at any time clark is referred to by the boss he gets his name wrong until yes. the very last yep. time. Yeah, there, there's like Grisman, uh, Greaseball, there's like Greaseball, Greaseball. There's Kurt. Yeah. Uh, my favorite is at the end, even after he his boss has this change of heart, he still calls him Carl. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, and he looks behind himself. He, has he looks this like, big what? redeeming moment. <laughs> yeah. where he's like, you know what? Like, take your take your bonus. Uh, you know, I, I didn't think of the workers, and it's it's really heartfelt. And then he's like, all right, Carl. <laughs> it's it's very good. My favorite is the the very first time he does it because he shows up and and he calls him Mark, and then the the guy from um the, you know his coworker standing next to him and he just kind of says hello and he stares at him. And so Clark introduces him and he goes, this is Bill. And then, you know, he's like, make a report and put it on my desk, blah, blah, blah. And then, he, and then as he leaves, he goes to Clark, he says, have that report on my desk by the end of the day, Bill. He calls Clark Bill. Cause it's the only name he remembers from the whole thing. <laughs> like, I just think that's what's like, just again, a, a greatly crafted joke where he was introduced to the other guy and called him Bill, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yep. The shot, so, you know, when he shows up and, and he asks for, oh, by the way, so here's another interesting fact that I found. I don't know if it's true because I found this out before I watched it. And then when I watched it, I was like, I don't know. But I do see his eyes darting around in a way that make it true. But so he goes on this 30 word rant about his boss, Mr. Oh, Shirley. Yeah. Oh, man. And the rumor was that it was ad libbed. But actually, the, what I read, again, this is just a random IMDb commenter. I don't know where they found it, but every cast member who's facing him. They had a sign they were holding it or hanging around their necks that had (laughs) words written on them. And those are some of the adjectives that Clark used to describe his boss. So he was able to look at these and just pick, just cherry pick each time, I guess, and, and put them in different order to get that done. I, that moment. And then also there's this thing with like PG 13 movies, you get one F word and the way that the cursing is used in this, like is 
so good because it's such a like pressured buildup throughout the movie to these like two blowups that he has that they are yeah. like instantly memorable and like even as a kid like I just remember like that being and that was another thing too it's like watching a movie with your parents I I do remember like any time <laughs> there was like they dropped an f bomb it was like oh no <laughs> it's just instantly memorable and I love that they how well they make use of like language in those two scenes not even just curse words but just that see that monologue that like thirty word monologue yeah. is like insane and hilarious and very memorable and then like you will just never forget the happy it was yeah, happy holidays holy shit or happy hanukkah holy shit hallelujah holy shit where's the where's title, the title? Yep. <laughs> and then uh and then the the f-bomb monologue uh is just and he won't let anyone leave his house he's like very hostile oh, yeah. it's it's extremely funny uh, it, they should let that on tv because it is so good like they should let him say that on tv yeah. since ben crosby tap dance with danny fucking k is just brilliant we're gonna have the happy happiest christmas um yeah it's uh, that's just awesome and and another bit of profanity that we miss on tv is when he goes tis a season to be merry well that's my name no shit (laughs) 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 it's like so (laughs) just out of the blue i love it well, that's my name. He, the, pr- yeah. the progressive, it really is like a great, you know, it, uh, we talked earlier just about how like this movie, the things that make this movie work, like when you don't have a plot or when the plot's very thin and you just kind of have a collection of skits, you have to do a lot of other things right to make something work. But just the pacing and the way that, especially in that like kind of second into third act, the way he gets progressively more unhinged is mm. just perfect. <laughs> I mean, knockout. And Chevy Chase's unhinged blinking is one of his funniest comic devices. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Here's where I know. When I was a kid, I remember thinking this, and I always feel like it is framed in an odd way. I don't know how I'd fix it, but the shot of the RV leaving used to confuse me. And then Cousin it like, I don't know why it did, but it always did. I'm probably the only person that got confused by that, but... Well, it's parked... Because he's like, oh, I, you know, I want my boss brought here or whatever. It's parked to the... If I remember correctly, it's parked to the left of the house if you're facing the house. And for some reason, when you see the RV leaving to go get the boss, it's almost like he's parked in like a suburban, like um, not a roundabout, but like a like a cul-de-sac or something. Like the yeah. the street kind of turns, and he's like pulling away from that. And I wasn't sure if that was if that shot was him leaving their house or if that shot was him leaving his boss's house. Yeah. Well, it comes it comes before the boss, like before it's parked in front of the boss's house. It doesn't show it parked there i don't remember now yeah but it always used to confuse me and then he showed up with the boss and and i never i'd kind of always forget that or i wouldn't connect the two events like where he thinks he's like you know you know what i really want for christmas blah 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 and he talked earlier about wanting to get him the perfect gift and and he you know he looks up and you can see him putting two and two together and then there's a shot of the rv i don't know why it used to confuse me um but here's where i noticed todd and margo having mar- what looked like margaritas and cheese on Christmas Eve. Like, <laughs> that's a great meal, don't get me wrong, but like a giant plate of cheese and margarita, I feel like is not going to be a great morning for me. Is this when he goes to cut down the tree in front of their... Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Where are we going to find a tree this hour on Christmas Eve? So good. Yeah. So good. I love... Well, I uh, just lost my mind. Hold on. It's got. It's there. <laughs> it's something about the boss. Oh, Bever- Beverly D'Angelo, correct? 
Yes, she has some great lines uh, in this. Specifically, uh, please forgive me, this is my family's first kidnapping. Which is not true (laughs) if you watch Vacation. And then also... Oh, yeah. Well, you know what she says in Vacation about John Candy? She says, this is our first gun. So I think it was kind of a throwback to that. Yeah. And then um, she has this great moment where she's introducing herself to Clark's boss's wife. And because the SWAT team is still holding them up, they all have their hands up. And she, like... very carefully like leans over to shake her hand and while, ma- while maintaining <laughs> eye contact with the SWAT team. It's very, it's yeah. very good. And she, when she froze, she happened to have her hand on Clark's crotch and shows she, she takes it off Clark's crotch and shakes her hand and then puts her <laughs> hand right back on Clark's crotch. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Before we get to the end though, Lewis lights the tree on fire because snot has drank all of the, tree water out of it so it's dry to the point where it incinerates immediately and lewis is on fire and it's after he brings in the other tree that i noticed i don't know why he but all of his presents are wrapped now in newspaper and he even puts one just like just on like a a plastic bag that is tied like you would with dog shit like he's putting those (laughs) under the tree and i'm like why are they wrapped like that like did the wrapping paper like get burned or something in the initial fire and he had to improvise i just i just don't know if anybody else noticed that i did but i i did not know the reasoning i was just like oh the presents look not good shitty (laughs) yeah (laughs) one of my favorite lines is from uncle lewis is when the squirrel is in the tree and Aunt Bethany is like, do you hear something? It's like a squeak. He's like, you couldn't hear a dump truck driving through a nitroglycerin plant. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was good. Yeah. Uh, there's yeah. another part. Uh, I believe it's post squirrel in the tree because people are running around all over. There's chaos. I, I may be wrong about this moment, but as just a moment, a very brief moment that made me laugh is Clark going, mom, don't move. And she's face, she's face down on the floor. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's just like a shot of her just <laughs> face down on the floor. Yeah. So when the cops do finally show up, here comes Santa Claus. I thought that's just another expert soundtrack. Yeah. Chosen for the, it just works so well with them all like screeching through. But like, first of all, how did they find him so fast? How did they find the guy so fast? And B, in a kidnapping situation like this, where you have a a potentially unhinged guy kidnap a very rich guy, are you really going to like not try to make contact before you crash through the windows? Yeah, it was, (laughs) it seemed. That seemed like overkill. Like, why don't we knock first? Everything about this seemed like overkill because they they got a report of a, if you walk through it, like they got a report of like my husband was kidnapped and you think there would be like some level of investigation before any action was made. But yeah. Somehow, even though she only gave a general description of Eddie, they are able to hone in on about where they are immediately. And then they also they also destroy the uh, the who are the neighbors uh, Julia oh yeah Todd and Margot they go why were they setting up base camp in there <laughs> for some reason they like, you know, she, see I I had the same question and Grace is like oh to get a sniper vantage point I'm like Jesus Christ obviously they I mean that's probably true but it's still overkill you know yeah there's a for one missing old white man yeah, no yeah. that's oh, not overkill right. rich old white man <laughs> I love that sorry I love that they all dunk on the boss <laughs> like even the oh like, yeah whenever they're like he took away people's christmas bonuses even the the sergeant is like damn that's a real inhuman thing to do <laughs> yeah yeah i, I love i've always loved his line 
you know, if I had to rub a hose right now, mister, I'd slap you. And he's like, I didn't. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but but also, you like, that's another good point. They brought out a ranking officer on Christmas Eve night for this. You know, yeah. I mean, like, that's obviously a high ranking. Like, I always thought it was the chief. Like, the chief of police right. is out on Christmas Eve for this. Also funny like, when he yells freeze and the the the, the, the uh, police behind him freeze. And he goes, not, not you. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, so in this scene, we have another star of Seinfeld. Wow. It is a guy named Jeremy Roberts. He plays a cop. I don't know if it's the cop that talks or what, but Jeremy Roberts plays the chauffeur in the episode The Limo. Damn. Yeah, I know. All right. I don't even remember the... I mean, the chauffeur, I guess, must have a couple lines because they lie to him in the airport to get the chauffeur and then find out it belongs to the white supremacist. But yeah, so that's yeah, that's yet another Seinfeld person. I think that's our third, and there's one more. But uh, I, I don't know what scene she's in, but I'll tell you in just a second because we're, we're pretty much all wrapped up. You know, I, I do love... I feel like this was a great cap to a movie and really just... It drives home the point when Clark is looking up at the sky and they've said, you know, they've sang the Star Spangled Banner and then he's alone on the lawn and he goes, I did it. Like, I, I just, it's it's really on the nose, but it just works. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, and it's it's interesting that uh, this Christmas movie ends before Christmas. Like, it ends on Christmas Eve. I always thought that was really yeah. interesting. There's... But also, as it, as it zooms out, Clark and we see Snot sitting right in front of him as he, it seems like Snot has not let Clark, I feel like that could have been a, a runner if they wanted to add something else in, how Snot is always following him around and always just sitting right in front of him waiting for something but it's clark and snot on the front lawn i think is also a great shot it does appear that clark sees the end titles appear uh yeah <laughs> yes and, and i agree the lights go out because it, it does they, it says the end with christmas lights and then and then the lights go out and then it, it does flash back to his face so it seems he's aware so and then then we get the credits uh the only thing i noticed in the credits that i thought was interesting is the second ad is frank capra the third who is related to the frank capra that directed it's a Wonderful Life, which clips of which are shown in this movie. I thought that was hmm. uh, really interesting that he ended up on this. I wonder if he got the gig because he is Frank Capra the Third, or if he's a really good assistant director. I don't, I don't know, but uh, I just found it interesting. And then the other thing that I did notice in the credits. So I, I had some help with this. I don't know if you guys know about this. It's my favorite new website. I didn't even know it was still around, but IMDb has a collaboration search tool where you can put in two titles of a movie or two actors and find out a how many actors which actors were in both titles or which actors appeared in what movies together so i put in christmas vacation and seinfeld and i that's so that's i mean i knew brian doyle murray and julia louis dreyfus obviously but i didn't know the cop jeremy roberts i did not recognize him but uh also i don't know what she did but sandy gimple it was part of the stunt team for christmas vacation and she was also did these stunts in the seinfeld episode the fire oh yeah. is that the one of uh george running out of the burning party yes yeah okay <laughs> yeah so that's the fourth seinfeld uh, universe person a behind the scenes person but still nonetheless worked on both uh, i found interesting yeah that, that's all that's all i had written down i have some post-credit information unless you guys have anything else to add about the movie i don't think so i i, I had a great no, time i don't believe so i was when i started it i was like oh this is nice but i i it took me until the light sequence to really be like okay this is just as good as I remember it being. 
and like from that sequence forward i was just like totally pulled in um and think it's a, a well-deserved classic so I, I can't believe how many how much i still laugh out loud at this movie i'm like yep. i know what's coming and it cracks me up every time yep so there was a deleted post credit scene that would have had the blow mold Santa sleigh that's blasted into the sky by the sewer explosion crashing. Guess where? Ooh. I really <laughs> wanted you to guess. <laughs> where? I mean, where would you know? Where would make the most sense for this for this thing to crash? Oh, Todd and Margo. Yes. Yeah. Todd and Margo's bedroom roof. That's insane yeah. because it's it, it it is like flung from the like like away. <laughs> From the Griswold yeah, yeah. home. <laughs> so they would have had to, yeah. It would have had to know, done shoot. some kind of yeah. turnaround, some kind of gravitational pull would have had to have brought it back. But that's very, that's very funny. Yeah, and so Todd makes a joke about Santa before they like you know lay down in their tiny little bed to go to sleep, and then it crashes through the the ceiling. There's some callbacks to previous vacation movies. We mentioned some, but the shoes that Cousin Eddie wears, I'm thinking he means the they mean the white ones. They're the same ones that he gave Clark as a gift in the original vacation so when clark and ellen discuss their concerns over eddie and Catherine not having any christmas presents ellen says that eddie's been out of work for close to seven years in vacation which was 1983 eddie mentions having been laid off from the asbestos factory which would have been nearly seven years before this movie takes place so huh, 80, 83 okay. to 1990 what, essentially you know the end of 89 let me ask you was there anything in the original vacation movie uh that centered around like mother's day or or something because whenever clark is hiding presents up in the attic the present he pulls out says to mom 1983 which is the year the original vacation movie came out yeah i did notice that and i don't know i don't remember enough okay. about when yeah, it takes I, place or anything i yeah. don't seem to remember anything specific about that I guess that that was just kind of a a, a nod to the year that the first movie came out then without yeah. actually being a, a reference to anything. Did you say earlier that you haven't seen the original one, Ted? No, I've Christmas Vacation is the only one I've you seen. You definitely should. I again, I can't speak to European Vacation. I'd watch it for I'm sure it's funny, uh and I do have pleasant memories of Vegas Vacation, whether it's any good or not, I have no idea, but yeah. uh Vacation itself definitely holds up and and i would highly recommend that experience. okay yeah i agree christmas vacation has been released on home media seven different times first on vhs and laserdisc uh, <laughs> and then a bunch of like dvd and blu-ray special editions the latest edition is the steelbook blu-ray in 2015 which <laughs> everybody needs on their shelf the steelbook, the steelbook christmas, christmas vacation <laughs> Man, oh, yeah. I remember my phase of wanting steelbook everything. <laughs> I st- sometimes I sometimes I, see I still cool want one. them. I, I st- uh-huh. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> I did pick up a steelbook uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre the other day, but it was it was the only one available. But the greatest home media version of this, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, because it's the one that we had at my house, was the DVD that had the cardboard cover that and the clasp on the side the black clasp that you have to open oh yeah and, yeah and like a door hinge. the like lock yep and, yeah and the then, extra lock and then the cardboard <laughs> folds out uh, and the dvd is in there uh, uh my favorite my favorite of the dvd cases <laughs> This was the final film of Mae Kestel, who plays Aunt Bethany. She started her film career in 1930 as the voice of Betty Boop. Really? Yeah. Wow. She was 81 years old, and William Hickey, who plays Uncle Lewis, was 62 at the time of filming. Yep. They look (laughs) identical in age, and I don't don't think that says 
anything good about William Hickey. No, no, it does not. <laughs> well, and I, I'm curious when Nightmare, not that you see him in the film, but uh, Nightmare Before Christmas came out in 1993. Um, a little and, bit later. Yes. He was 65, and I guess. so that is or, when he was voicing Dr. Uh, Finkelstein. But I think I think she did voice. So this would maybe have been her final on-screen role because she did voice Betty Boop in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. But she doesn't appear on screen, so that may be her actual last credit. But this was her final on-screen credit. I think is the way that shook out. More weird age math. Diane Ladd, who plays Clark's mom, is just eight years older than Chevy Chase. <laughs> Problematic. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Kind of. Interesting. Um. I did love. And- I loved seeing uh, Juliette Lewis in this. Um, I think that she's wonderful in everything she's in, and I do think that's yes. like the one thing that's kind of interesting about this movie too. And I would say the same about Julia Louise Dreyfus's presence is that this is pre Seinfeld, and mm-hmm. I don't know her level of stardom at this time. But if I were to have any complaints about the movie, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know, just knowing her charisma and her comedic abilities, uh, I wish that both of them are, are so good. I, I wish they were utilized more in these movies or in this movie in, in particular because it's it's great to see them on screen and it's cool to see somebody recognized now so well being something you know early in their career yeah this and and i think it's this and vegas vacation clark's relationship with his kids isn't as played up as it is in european and and the first vacation movie which yeah i mean it, we could use a little bit more in that more of that but there's just so many characters and so much going on yeah that they can't i, I like Ju- I, one of my favorite juliet lewis moments is when she goes well god there's a couple when she's like do you have to sleep with your brother do you know how sick and twisted that is and ellen goes <laughs> i have to sleep with your father we're all making sacrifices or something like that <laughs> Well, I'm sleeping with your father. <laughs> and then when she's out on the, she's like, oh, I hope no one I know drives by and sees me standing in the front yard in my pajamas. And then Ellen's dad says, if they know your father, they won't think anything of it. <laughs> I thought that was a good one. But, and, and also how weird that is that it's Johnny Galecki. Like they went on, like both of them, maybe she was already into her career at this point, but Johnny Galecki, I think this may have been one of his, if not this, then Prancer, you know. But I still find it alternate, alternatingly hard and easy to believe that that's Johnny Galecki. It, it seems like one of those things that someone would tell you like that's the guy from big bang theory and you look it up and it's not it's like a child actor who's just in one thing like right but at the same time he looks exactly like somebody who would grow up to be johnny galecki you yeah. know it's like yeah. it's such a crazy i'm like no that's not him oh no it definitely is yeah that's right oh no it doesn't it's not anything like him oh no it totally is so did you know i didn't know this but national lampoon's christmas vacation 2 which we've already referenced was an nbc movie in 2003 nbc showed national lampoon's christmas vacation and i guess that was its premiere <laughs> What? Uh, really? Yeah, I, that's that's what I'm. That's what I've read. Yeah, and then it was released on you know for home media, I think, or maybe it was like you know concurrently released when like no one really cared. But yeah, it's about cousin Eddie's family on a Christmas vacation in the South Pacific. Randy Quaid, Miriam Flynn, who are in this movie, and Dana Barron, who's the original Audrey, reprise their roles from the previous vacation films alongside Ed Asner. And Fred Willard and some other people whose names I don't recognize. And then in 2012, Old Navy released commercials based on this movie. I vaguely remember these with Chevy Chase, Beverly D'Angelo, and Julia Lewis based on this and the original vacation. Rusty and Audrey actors, Anthony Michael Hall and Dana Barron. And European Vacation's Rusty, Jason Lively also were in the ad. I want to look those up and watch them again. I bet I'll remember them. I mean, it was less than 10 years ago. God, I hope so. (laughs) Yeah, I remember remember (laughs) liking those. And then in 2020... Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo reprised their roles for a Ford commercial for the Ford Mustang Mach-E spoofing the house lighting scene, which I also don't remember, but 
Hmm. I want to look it up. I feel like that I was think a that Super was, Bowl ad or something. Yeah, yeah I'm pretty sure. Going. Pretty sure. Sounds uh, like man. Re- remember, remember way back to f- early February of 2020. <laughs> nope. Oh man, nothing. That was five. Nothing that bad. was five years ago. It seems like. <laughs> nothing yeah, bad yeah. will happen this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um. So I I think that's all I have. Oh boy. What a, all what right. A so we normally I'm, do a, a kind of a rating system thing. Do we want to? Yeah, want to do that? Let's do it. Aaron, start us off. I think we've been going for for our Patreon reviews. We've been going uh zero to ten. What have we done in the last couple of years for our for our Christmas specials? Have we done a rating system? I don't. Think I feel like we have. No, we didn't. I don't. I don't remember. Uh, but I've also. <laughs> repressed the, the, the viewing experiences of, of uh, the past two films. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what I gave A Christmas Story to. Every time, like, I, you, know, you know how often the band Wallows has come up since I saw that movie and, and I still hold a grudge against them? <laughs> I, I want... Let's do uh, let's do zero to ten then. I would give this a, a strong eight. An eight out of ten. A great, a great comedy. Classic Christmas movie, I, like I said, went into this having caught so many bits and pieces of it for so long and watched it so many times when I was younger, but it's been so long since I've had an excuse to really just like, you don't think about sitting, it's like, it's like Home Alone or A Christmas Story. I never sit down and think about watching, actually sitting down and watching those movies. And so watching this, I, I, like I said, the first like 20 minutes or so, I was like, oh, this is like, this is nice. And then like after, from the lighting sequence forward, I was just totally in. I think it's a... I think it's a great movie, great comedy, and uh, it does as as a PG thirteen vacation installment. It does a great job of carrying the the spirit of Chevy Chase and the spirit of the vacation series, and also creating something that is vaguely family friendly. So it, it deserves the credit it gets, in my opinion. Awesome. I am tempted. I am so tempted to give this a perfect score because I I really think it it could stand up to that. The one thing holding me back is what I did with The Burning. I, you guys both remember because you were both on it. I gave The Burning a 6 out of 10, and then that kind of screwed me for the rest of our Patreon existence <laughs> because every movie now I have to go, well, it wasn't that great. It's probably a 5, and I'm like, wait a second. Was this really worse <laughs> than The Burning? Now I have to give it like a 7 at least. <laughs> you can retroactively. You can go back and freeze yeah. the canon on The Burning. <laughs> no, I I truly believe that. But it, like like for instance with um Adam's Family Values, I was like, oh, it's not worse than the burning, but it, I don't think it's a six, you know. Yeah. Um, oh. I don't remember what I gave that one. But I think that's just an example of. But like, but I feel like it's better. Than, I'm gonna give it a nine point five then out of ten. Wow. Great score. Yeah, I think it is a friggin' perfect movie. Like. Okay. Yeah. There's very little wrong with it. So I'm I'm going I'm going almost all the way up. I think. I think I've got to either go in the same boat with Aaron, but I think I will try and split the diff a little bit. I think I'm going to go eight and a half with the only thing in my mind that could probably make it better is if there was like a central plot instead of being like kind of a bunch of skits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And to be fair too, if I remember Vacation correctly, it is there is a plot to Vacation, but I also think it's structured very similarly where it's like each scene, you know, it is a series. Obviously, these movies are just built upon a series of things going wrong. So it's kind of just this collection of like, you know, from scene to scene, this thing goes haywire. So it, it is 
in that sense, I don't think it's just limited to this movie. I think it's kind of just how these movies are structured. I should I should clarify too. I feel like my my eight out of ten is like uh, is is very positive, very glowing. There's nothing really that I see like as like there, there's no reason I'm giving it an eight out of ten as like oh this thing was wrong with the movie. Or I, I had a great mm-hmm. great experience watching the movie. It is a for me a little bit more of a nostalgic and and comfort watch than it is something that I would probably throw on regularly and watch all the time but in that case it's also kind of special because i only do get now moving forward i will probably watch it uh once a year and so i glowing reviews all around i i, I love the movie and, and everyone should check it out if it sounds up your alley yeah i, I hope it's on after this i'll put it i hope it's on amc right it, now i'll put it on <laughs> it, it's definitely our least piece of shit piece of shit that we that we've covered you know okay. well Hey, we should um, probably bring this in because we're at about three hours right now. <laughs> Before we go, um, Aaron, what do you have to plug? Yes, after the movies, um, it is a very generically named podcast, but I have a lot of fun doing it. It comes out <laughs> twice a week. You can find it on Spotify. We do each season. We pick two directors uh, and we each pick five films and we just go back and forth. That Those come out on Tuesday. So this season we're doing Stanley Kubrick and we're doing John Carpenter. So this week we're recording the episode for Full Metal Jacket and next week it will be In the Mouth of Madness and then we'll be ending our season with Eyes Wide Shut. Uh, And then on Thursdays we try to do movies that are new, either new to streaming or just like kind of random picks that we want to talk about so we got some like as the, the main thing i'd like to plug obviously we're doing what happens next will scare you will be this week with full metal jacket but after that along with in the mouth of madness that this will be next thursday this is a very confusing plug you guys will be doing <laughs> santa with muscles with us a film starring hulk hogan as santa claus or as a man masquerade masquerading as santa claus it should be a great time the movie looks awful there's uh there's like watch the trailer because it is the quintessential kind of 80s trailer and then like halfway into it it's also like now three mad scientists must be stopped and you're like where did this come from (laughs) at all Uh, so we're gonna have a good time i'm excited to have you guys on but yes after the movies everywhere you listen to podcasts we also have a patreon patreon.com slash lomo media we've got like a three dollar tier we do watch parties with the movies before we record so if people join the discord we schedule a time to all hit play together and, and watch the movie at the same time and kind of talk about it in real time you don't need to do that just, just listen to the podcast if you'd like to <laughs> awesome all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy i'm ted hollowell Oh, Aaron. Oh, Aaron. oh sorry. Uh, <laughs> punish. Punish. Sorry, that's what he says in Silent Night, Deadly Night. Be good. Uh. <laughs>